This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. TK. I like this, TK. Like that. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk get the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Luka with the step back 30. Oh, Boy, Chris Stabs, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just want to ring, want to fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking heads. Dang, go relax. Still at the champ. Defense still coming with the Calibus flow. The man's the best on the flow. I'm How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Math Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and Dallas basketball on SI colleague, Matt Galatson. And tonight, we have a special guest for you guys. He's a reporter for NBC News. It's Ben Collins. You can find him at one underscore with, I guess that's one underscore, isn't it, Ben? <laughs> no, it's two. It's two underscores after it. I do this, I, so I did that to make to make it really hard for me to fade at parties. And this was a joke like five years ago before I ever thought Twitter would be important in my life. And now it's like a running gag. Now, uh, uh, now like people look up the other one underscore and uh, she's a very nice lady, but she posts a lot of pornography. So it's like a really... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very good running gap in my life that I'm never going to get rid of. Well, like I said, it, it's one underscore in word, in letters and then two underscores yep. on Twitter. But, uh, Ben, I, I know especially in an election year, it's just it's probably absolutely nuts doing what you do. And we know you're a huge Dallas Mavericks fan and uh, you keep up with the team and everything. So it's, it's probably nice for you to get away from that for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, just with the the recent news here, you know, they just signed uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Uh, he was bought out by the Hornets, and he had his first practice today. And I don't know if he'll play tomorrow or not. I, I would guess that he would uh, since he had his first practice. Willie Colley-Stein, he played after his first, you know, practice or walkthrough or whatever with the, with the Mavs. But, well, what, what do you feel about this signing? I mean, you feel good about it? Uh, how uh, you think it helps them, you know, going forward with their playoff push? I, I love the signing. I think he provides defensive energy that we don't have as a team. And you know, in the last two games, when the defense collapses in the third quarter, which is what's been happening, there's nobody to put in. Right? You can put in Boban and just slow the game down and mess it up and muck the game up, but there's nobody to put in to like really stop wing, uh, wings that are taking advantage of us especially fours that are taking advantage of us, and that appears to be what the point of this is. You know, Rick said that he's going to play a lot of four and five, which is kind of interesting, because yeah. he's not a huge dude. He's like six 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 seven, I think, it's but like he's a, long. Like a Houston Rockets really approach. Yeah, exactly, like a P.J. Tucker kind of thing. Um, so, he, you know, he's long. He's extremely active. He can still jump like crazy. Um, 
I, I like the idea of a flyer. And you know what? I mean, this guy has been on a really mismanaged team for eight years. So maybe nobody sat him down and was like, dude, you shoot weird. Stop it. Nobody's ever done this. So <laughs> it's, it's completely conceivable to me that that's a possibility. I don't know. Where do you guys sit on this? Because it's, it's kind of controversial. You know, we, we cut a guy who we we all love and we, we're rooting for. We're rooting for Ryan Brokoff. But this, I feel like, the you know, the upshot here is pretty tremendous if we can get this guy to be even basically capable offensively, right? Yeah, I, I've got some thoughts on it, Matt. I'm gonna let you go ahead and give yours, and then I'll I'll chime in after you. But we we did kind of uh, the last episode. You know, we talked about the potential fit if it did happen. So now now that it has happened, Matt, what what do you think about it? I mean, I'd be lying if I said I was like super excited about it. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's it's an instant upgrade over you know not only Brokoff but uh, but Justin Jackson as well. And um, nobody's ever said anything bad about Michael Kidd Gilchrist defensively. At least you know, as, as far as the as far as the backup units go, he's already going to be the best defender. Yeah. So you know, it'll be a little bit of an upgrade. They're getting it, at, you know, kind of a bargain deal, and we'll see what happens. I just, um, we were talking about this the other day, and you know, Ben, you might, I don't know if you feel the same way or not, but at the last minute, like kind of after they. Uh, had decided, you know, or after he, I guess he had gone, uh, you know, become available at four o'clock yesterday. We were like, well, maybe should we wait for Mo Harkless? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's done now, and um, it it'll be it, it'll at least be interesting to see. I, I don't I don't know how much I like the idea of the, the Houston Rockets thing, but you know, we'll see where it goes. I. I I have I'm I'm optimistic that he'll be an upgrade. So like you know it's well I mean you gotta you gotta understand too. I mean the way the way Rick Carlisle is I mean it might just be I don't expect him to start a ton of games, but you know it could be a situational thing. Like uh, I could see times where Willie Collystein playing at center and KP at the four might work better depending on who you're playing, or you know maybe you want to uh, put KP at the five and Gilchrist at the four and Finney Smith at the three you know there's so many different things you can do and you know if they end up playing the Rockets maybe you do want to put MKG at the five um you know to match up with them so I you know Rick Carlisle he's a he's a wizard he knows how to how to make things work that way I'm not I'm not concerned at all as far as fit uh they definitely at this point in the season and how they've played here you know, these last 30, 32 games. So they're 16 and 16 over their last 32. Uh, you know, they've had to, they've had some really rough breaks with injuries with, with uh, Porzingis and uh, Luca, who, you know, he'll be coming back uh, tomorrow against the Sacramento Kings. That'll be really exciting. And then we'll get to see him in the All-Star game this weekend. So all that's really good stuff. But, yeah, th- this team needs a, an injection of energy. Uh, and it needs more defensive intensity. And I know there's a lot of people talking about MKG's shot, and <laughs> I feel like every every single person on Mavs Twitter has has posted that uh that same picture of his shot motion. And I'm just thinking like, well, I mean, he's not going to be shooting <laughs> a lot of threes with this team. He, he's going to be, you know, doing the gritty work like Finney Smith does. 
just minus three-point shooting. And he's not bad around the rim. Uh, from what I've seen, he's a good screener, which will be great. Uh, he's a good rebounder. And, I mean, he re- like you said, like Ben said, I mean, this is the first time he's ever been outside of Charlotte. And he even said it in his introductory uh, press conference today or interview after practice that he was happy to be a part of a winning culture. And I think that's going to be huge for him. He's only 26 years old. Um, I, I He had a couple of good seasons in Charlotte. And the Mavs are historically good with reclamation projects. So I think it's going to be big. Uh, I mean, I don't expect him to be a, a superstar or anything, but I think he's going to be a key piece going down the stretch. Yeah, I, I by the way, I, I feel the same way about the, the general premise that he doesn't have to be everything. You know, he doesn't have to be uh, a three D guy. He doesn't have to be Robert Covington. He can just be yes. a D guy. That's fine. <laughs> like that works. Yeah, teams need this generally, um, especially when we're we're about to hit a stretch in the schedule where we play. I think the next ten out of eleven teams or something are under five hundred or around five hundred. Yes. Um, we have to win these games. Like this is a really useful thing unless we want to be the eighth seed or something. We have to win these games, and we're going to get bored. You know, by the third, the second time we play the Timberwolves in two weeks, uh, we're going to get super bored. So, if MKG can come in and set the tone in the second quarter or something like that, um, him or Collie Stein or somebody, you know, in the way that JJ used to, that's all we need. We don't need him to be, you know, a miraculous superstar. We need him to be very good. We just need him to be a defensive tone setter. So when we get a little lackadaisical in the second and third quarter, which we have been. Uh, we can survive the game. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and I think he'll be that too. And like you said, if if the way the Mavs have been playing, and again, you know, Luca's missed the last seven games. He missed five uh, earlier in the season when he sprained his ankle the first time, and then KP's missed a handful of games because of knee soreness. But you know, it, it's really it could be just you know a scheduling thing and uh, bad luck with injuries, but. It's starting to turn around, it looks like, with Luka coming back. And, you know, they're, they're now going to have MKG in the mix. And uh, Willie Colleystein really looks like he's getting his footing, even though I don't know why he didn't play more last night. But <laughs> Rick's going to Rick sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they, here's my thing. This is going to be our next topic here. It's basically what is our biggest concern uh, with the Mavs going into this last part of the season. And I I don't think – I think something catastrophic would have to happen for this team to miss the playoffs. So I'm not worried about that. I think they're definitely yeah. going to make the playoffs. But, you know, I'm looking at the, at the standings right now. And, like I said, they're 500 over their last 32. Memphis is just absolutely on fire. I think they've won, like – 12 or 13 out of their last 16 games and uh they are 4.5 games behind the Mavs for the seven seed and they play the Mavs two more times so they're on the Mavs tail uh but then you look on the other side of it the flip side of it the Mavs are only let's see one and a half games out of the fifth seed and let's see 3.5 out of having home court advantage which we probably wouldn't want anyway at this point <laughs> but so that, that that my biggest concern is the Grizz potentially passing the Mavs and then you end up playing the Lakers in the first round <laughs> well that's true well 
but Memphis has the top schedule from here on out of any team in the league. Um, if you look that up, they are playing like they play the West best directly after the All Star break, and then it doesn't get any better. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not like I'm worried about Memphis in the sense that um, if they pass us, then we are in deep trouble. <laughs> Do you know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. If, if they are passing us, then they are a very good basketball team. We all play them anyway. Um, so th- look, I, I'm a, I'm totally okay with where we are right now. We were gonna hit this lull. I anticipated us. I didn't anticipate us being this far over 500 by the All Star break anyway. Um, the fact that we could go 16 and 16 over the last 32 games and still be where we are is kind of incredible. It shows how well we did at the start of the year and the, the leap that Luca made. So, look, we're, we're kind of playing with house money here. I'm not that worried about it. I think, like, Matt, you have to agree with that, right? That's not that crazy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, six, you know, 16 and 16, considering the injuries they've had, I think is is good enough. I mean, it just gets a little amplified because, you know, of the home struggles, I think, and that's really frustrating for fans. But I, overall, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. And to be honest with you, even if they got passed by the Grizzlies, I think I want to play the Lakers more than I want to play the Clippers. Well, so, yeah, that, that's yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean that, that that's not my biggest concern. The Clippers are a kryptonite in every way. They have things. They have the things that we cannot stop. We cannot stop Kawhi Leonard. Can't stop Paul George. And they have a very good. They do a very good job of trapping Luca and making him look uh, like frenzied and hurried. So I'd never want to play Clippers if possible. We can. I think we can like get out of one or two rounds in these playoffs as long as we do not play the Clippers. That's how yeah. I genuinely feel about the team. Yeah, I'm looking at you know the top. Top five, like if the playoffs started today, today the Mavs would be playing the Nuggets, and I mean I, I, I don't know if they would win that series. It would be a, you know, a big upset if they did. But I mean I feel a whole lot better about them playing Denver than I, than I do either one of the, uh, the LA teams and especially the Clippers. But you know uh, the Lakers, I I could see you know something happening there. Denver. Sure, Clippers, no, definitely don't want to see them. Utah, they frustrate me to no end, but, you know, they've still played them close two games um, in this last game without Luka. And then you have Houston, which is probably who I'd be the most optimistic about playing in the first round. So, uh, I don't know. It, there, there's so much parity in the West that even, like Matt, like you said, even if the Grizzlies pass the Mavs, <laughs> I mean, it's not the end of the world because they could stay where they're at or even move up and end up playing the Clippers. So, <laughs> I don't know what you right. do there. And, you know, my biggest concern is it's more about um, it's more about the home struggles because whatever's happening – it's it's not it appears that it's not something they can fix overnight. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 mean, I think. By the way, I think it's like a chicken or the egg situation. I think that the crowd is dead because they're not winning at home, and they're not winning at home because the crowd is dead. <laughs> There's some I can't figure out what's gonna like what's gonna break first here. And Luca helps with that. Like when Luca comes back, you know, people are excited to be there. It's a little bit, you know, it's it's an event. You know, it's an event to see Luca. But uh, it's still bad. Like people should be excited to be at the basketball game anyway. So uh, I I think that there's there are dual pronged things there. Like we have there is an issue with a the home crowd. I think not really getting lit up in the way that other other teams do. But we are also just losing there. Like there there are, we're losing leads there. Um, 
we are coming out like really sluggishly in the first quarters at home. There are we have a lot of problems at home that don't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like outside of even just crowd noise. So yeah, I, that's something that I hope they figure out in the second half. I don't even know what to say. Like, what do you say to your team? Like, everyone, pay attention. We're at home, please. Like, I don't even know what the what the talk is from Carlisle on that. You know, look, Tim Hardaway Jr. After that last game, he. He said it was embarrassing, and I, I believe he even said that uh, that Rick Carlisle re- really, like, you know, bit into him at halftime of that one. Sounded like it was a breaking point. You know, we'll, we'll see how they do uh, coming out in this next game because if I remember correctly, I don't think they got out to a good start in that last uh, Sacramento game they played at home. So we'll see if it makes a difference. But it definitely made a difference in the second half of that uh, that game last night, you know, even though they ended up losing, they almost came all the way back from a, you know, 20-plus point deficit, and they showed a whole lot more pride in that second half. So I, I'm with Ben. I, I think it's, it's definitely a chicken-and-egg kind of situation. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I kind of made the joke a few weeks ago that uh, right around the time that the Dallas Cowboys season ended, uh, you know, that's when the Mavs starting started being like really inconsistent <laughs> and they started, you know, they'd lose a couple of games. They'd lose two and win one and, you know, it'd go back and forth. And so I'm, I'm almost wondering if the people that are just kind of casual Mavs fans are just not really as into it because ever since Cowboys season ended and it's, it's like they focus on the Mavs. It's like, well, oh, what's, what was all the, the hype over? But that that's just me thinking that I'm sure, like you said, once Luca comes back and, you know, starts lighting the place on fire, I, I think, I think that'll change things. Yeah, and I, I think part of it too is like we have become so inured to how weird and crazy good KP and Luca are. Like we are, it's regular to us that KP pulls up from the logo. This guy who's seven foot three or whatever, yeah, just pulls up the logo and like jacks threes with seventeen seconds on the shot clock. Like that is that would be the greatest thing that ever happened to the New York Knicks, and it's just something that happens <laughs> like a Tuesday from average, right? So like we are spoiled a little bit. We're getting really used to Luca as a as a guy who drops, you know, thirty nine and eight or whatever on a nightly basis. So I I get it. I understand the novelty is wearing off, but let's step up guys. We have, you know, a generational dude and when he comes back we should it it should be super loud there. It should to be should be super loud there tomorrow night. Yeah, and it's just it's it's so crazy to me because the last handful of games, this last stretch, you know, like we said, they, they they've played, they've been playing 500 ball. And if you had told me before this season, as optimistic as I tend to be, if you had told me that KP and Luca were going to miss a handful of games, and this team would still be, you know, playing 500 ball without them, and they'd be 10 games over 500, you know, about to head into the All Star break. I wouldn't have thought that was possible. I would have thought they'd have to have near perfect health uh, with everybody and, you know, firing on all cylinders to be where they're at right now. So, I mean, it's still a great situation. And like Ben mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, coming out of the all-star break, you know, you've got the Magic, you've got the Hawks again, you've got the Timberwolves, the struggling Spurs, uh, and then you play Miami. So, I mean, 
that's five games coming out of the All-Star break where they could really make up some ground and solidify. Yeah, and after that, it's, it's Minnesota, after that, it's Minnesota, Chicago, New Orleans, and Memphis. Yeah. So, those are all 500 or stuff. Like, we should win 9 out of 10 games here, I think. Yeah. But, it, but the thing is, we need energy. Like, we need to be a little bit less bored than we've been in the last couple of games. Yes. So, I mean, p- potentially, by the end of the first week of March, they could be, you know, really solid in the, in the West standings, depending on how much, you know, ground they can make up. And, I mean, look, KP seems to be healthy now. Luca, after missing seven games, and he'll have this lengthy all-star break, you know, knock on wood, nothing happens tomorrow night, but he should be, you know, good to go for the rest of the season. He should be fresh. And... I don't know, Matt. What what do you what do you see the rest of this season? You know, in this last, I think it's twenty seven games after tomorrow night. Well, I mean, they look a little a little bit like they need rest. So I think the All Star break is going to kind of refresh and revitalize them a little bit. You know, guys will go on vacation. Um, guys will kind of step away and be able to kind of recharge the batteries, and maybe you know, maybe things will be different, but. The the thing you know what concerns me is um, they've lost. I think we talked about this in the last pod, pod, Dalton. Like they lost, they've lost six games to teams that are have no more than thirty one wins this year. I mean, sorry, they have they have more. Sorry, they have more than thirty losses this year. So um, that's a big concern of mine. Which so and that's why I'm still not over you know over my concerns heading out of the All Star break against those bad teams. Because they haven't really proven to me that they can beat bad teams <laughs> on a consistent basis, and until they do that, I'm I'm going to be a little bit more pessimistic. Well, look, let now, me and now I, I've I've preached this for a few weeks now, and let me just let me go back and just run you through this because it's been so long that we tend to forget about it. But I keep saying the last time the Mavs were healthy for an extended period of time, that was that part in the season where from mid-November through the first week of December, they won 10 out of 11 games. You know, it started with the win over Toronto, and then they beat the Spurs, Golden State, Cleveland. Uh, That was the back-to-back, you know, (laughs) almost 50-point back-to-back wins. And then they went into Houston and won, and, uh, you know, they beat the – uh, the Suns, the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, and the Pelicans again. So – that was a stretch where they beat a lot of bad teams mixed with a couple of good teams in there. But that's the thing. They were healthy, and they were clicking. And then all of a sudden, that Miami game comes up <laughs> on uh, December 14th. Luca tweaks his ankle, and then that's where the the mediocre play started. Right, but what I'm saying is they haven't proven that they can stay healthy consistently Yeah. this season. And you can't, so you can't until, control Until that, they can so. do that then it's going to be hard for them to to get over the hump of being, you know, a 500 basketball team. Now, if they even if they just stay a 500 basketball team for the rest of the year until the playoffs, they're probably going to make it anyway. So that's not my concern. I just I, my concern is 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 playoff seeding and if they can stay healthy. And so what I'm going to be looking for after the All-Star break is, you know, these guys getting this this week off or 9 days or however long it is and then getting their legs back under them and getting healthy and then getting focused for the final stretch. And if they can do that, I'm confident. Yeah. 
Yeah, I will say this is a really good problem to have. Like the, the problem that we can only seem to beat the Lakers and the Bucks is a nice problem. I like that, um, especially because like a few years ago, a lot of people make the analogy between this team and that Mavericks team that like the pre-Rondo Mavericks team with Jameer Nelson that had that yes. historically great offense. But that team's problem, that's why they made the Rondo trade, is they couldn't beat good teams. They were absolutely slaughtering. The point differential against against bad teams was insane. We beat the Knicks by 51 game. And it made us look like like world world leaders, but we were actually not that good. And then we traded for Rondo and everything got worse. But um, <laughs> the, the, the the opposite thing is happening here. We have, we have a team that are, are gamers, basically, who really get up and are ready to play against really good teams. And it's it sucks that they don't want to play against the Timberwolves in Minnesota in March or something, but like it, it is part of the deal and hopefully they'll learn to get through it. And, and that's also part of the deal dealing with when your two best players are 20 and 24, like you have to get them through the boredom and you have to get them motivated in these, in these situations. The team's young. Hopefully they can do it. Hopefully they can keep them just mentally fresh. And they also don't even know what our rotation is for the playoffs yet. So we, yeah. have, we have a lot to learn and we have a lot, we have a, uh, you know, once they get healthy, we have a lot to figure out about what are our best five going to the end of the season. Like to me, you go five out, you start Seth Curry at the two, and you uh, you run KP at the five. But we we haven't seen a lot of that because they haven't been yeah. healthy enough to do that. So I agree um, with that. Again, we, yeah, we just have we have a lot to learn in the next two months. Yeah, and I and I mean, if you there's a lot of things to factor in too. You look at the you know the tail end of the schedule. There's a lot of things you have to factor in, like teams who might say the last two, three weeks of the season, they might know that, you know, they're out of the playoff race and they want to start tanking, you know. <laughs> you know, you, you can stack up a couple extra wins there. Uh, you know, teams that, like the Bucks, they're on pace to win, I don't even know anymore. It's like an, I don't even, are they on pace to, I don't think they're on pace to beat the Warriors from a few years ago, but... They're on pace to win seventy yeah, games, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, so they might they might choose to you know rest their guys the last couple of games. I think let's see, the Mavs play the Bucks again. It's towards the end of the season. Okay, so the very end of March. So I don't know. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you can factor in there, but you know, just moving on to that, we've talked big picture. Now let's you know zoom it back in here for the game against the Kings. Tomorrow. I mean, the last time they played the Kings, I remember, I, I, I vaguely remember there being an offensive rebound off of a missed free throw that just killed the Mavs <laughs> comeback attempt in that game. And then they went on the road and they beat Sacramento in a, a really impressive road performance. So we've seen it all year. They're inconsistent at home, but they're, you know, world beaters on the road and, now they'll have, you know, one more home game here before the All-Star break uh, to, to kind of, you know, show us something. You know, get get go 11 games over 500 uh, with Luka coming back healthy and you're introducing MKG uh, to things there too. So, overall, Ben, and then I'll move to you, Matt. Um, what, I mean, what's your expectations for tomorrow night and Luka's return? Uh, you know, I, I would assume Luka's going to be on something, something like a minutes limit, right? I don't think he's going to play 40 minutes or something like that. Um, I doubt it. Yeah, I, I really highly doubt that. So, you know, I, I think just getting him back in the lineup and getting him back in the lineup without Powell and seeing how everything sort of filters down, I don't even know who's going to start at the four 
it could be Kleba, it could be everybody shifted up again. Uh, I'm assuming because the Kings play pretty big, it'll be Kleba, but we don't know. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a lot up in the air for this. We don't know if MGG is going to play. Um, I just hope that he gives them a little bit of energy. And that's, you know, over the last few games, people often talk in the, like the two games after Luca got hurt twice this year about how this team has is better, has better spacing, has better pace without Luca on the floor. And then everything really falls apart in that third or fourth game with Luca out. Um, yeah. it's, it'll just be good for people to remember what he does in third quarters and what he does at the end of games to stabilize the team and give them sort of a lift. Um, I really miss it. Like, if you miss his sort of shot creation when there's nothing there, um, like, it, it, it's been, it's really, when they need a bucket, there's nobody on the team except for him who can get one, and it'll be so nice to see it again. <laughs> it'll yeah. just be really, really helpful to see a guy who can get a really tough bucket uh, basically out of nothing. Um, that's what we need, and that hopefully, hopefully we'll get tomorrow night. Yeah, even even if he's on a minute restriction, I think even if he plays, you know, twenty twenty five minutes, something like that, I think it keeps you from overplaying some of these other guys. Because you saw it the other night against Utah, they they played as hard as they possibly could to come back from that deficit, but then you know they they just kind of fizzled out. You know, Delon Wright, Jalen Brunson. Uh, those guys, they might have moments of brilliance, but you know, for extended periods of time, uh, they get exploited a little bit. And I think that'll be good. You know, you, we won't have to extend their minutes as much, and uh, you know, maybe it'll work out to where it'll be a really balanced game, and you know, they can come out with a win before the All Star break. Matt. Yeah, um, I expect Luca to get a triple double. Um, I expect I like the Mavs it. to win by. Tw- I expect the Mavs to <laughs> win by twenty. And um, what else do I expect? We got to get our guy oh. Kirk Henderson to not watch this game. By the way, it seems like the last. <laughs> it seems like the last handful of games that he's like, uh, he's acknowledged that he's watching it. It's just it's been bad. And then when he leaves, he, like last night, he said he was going to bed. <laughs> and the Mavs almost pulled off a comeback, and then you know he turned the TV back on, and then that's when it happened. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> go well, ahead, Matt. <laughs> anyway, um, so I expect a big game from Luca. I expect a big win. I expect uh, the crowd to be re-energized, and I expect less minutes from JJ Barea and Courtney Lee, which I think will help a lot. And uh, I'm hoping to see you know. Michael Kidd Gilchrist get out there and, and um, make Harrison Barnes shoot 2 of 14 from the field. So I think they're going to have some momentum heading into the All-Star break, and I think that's going to be big. You know, Winning one game probably doesn't do that much, but it, it puts a good taste in your mouth heading into the All-Star break, and um, you know, it'll get people excited for you know watching Luka in the All-Star game. And, yeah, and look, you know, let, let's, thing and, let's be honest here. I mean... The players themselves, they definitely need this all-star break. The Mavs have, uh, you know, they need to get healthy again, get re-energized and everything. But I think the I think Mavs fans in general, like the, the fan base needs a little bit of a break too. I was talking, <laughs> Ben, I was telling Matt before we got on here that, you know, after tomorrow's game, it'll be nine days before the Mavs play again. And that just, that kind of, it seems like forever, but it also seems kind of needed right now. Like, it'll be nice for everybody to, 
you know, stop arguing about the Mavs not wanting Andre Drummond or, <laughs> you know, something crazy like that. And we'll all just get to focus on Luka, you know, throwing oops to LeBron James in the, in the all-star game. I think it'll be great. Yeah, this team, this, yeah, this team has certainly had the vibe of uh, like a group of people that's been on a bender for like last three weeks. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited for them to get some rest or something, just like a vacation. Uh, doesn't it? It really feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like yeah. they're just like dragging them along to the next place. Yes. So uh, look, man, I, I'm I've never seen a team need an all-star break from this, so I'm pretty excited for them. Yeah. And look, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have fun watching the Mavs and Kings tomorrow night. Really hope Matt's prediction of a 20-point win and a Luka triple-double comes to fruition. If it doesn't, we'll blame him for jinxing it. But <laughs> Absolutely. Matt, uh, uh, Ben, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll definitely have to do it again sometime, man. We, we, we appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun, guys. All right. We'll talk to you Thanks, later, ben. ben. All right. See ya. Again, that was Ben Collins. Uh, He's a reporter for NBC News, taking a much-needed break from all that stuff to talk about his favorite team, the Dallas Mavericks, and we hope you enjoyed it. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Guys, we can't thank you enough for coming in every week and listening to us. Uh, Thank you for liking, rating, and subscribing to our podcast on all your favorite platforms. Uh, continue to do that. Get your friends to do that. It really helps us out. Leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts if if you want to. Uh, everyone we get on there is, I mean, it, it just really helps us out to have that have that reputation. I mean, we've we've come so far in just a year's time, and we can't thank you enough. Definitely go check out our YouTube page as well. Uh, like we've been saying all season uh as soon as we get to a thousand subs on there one of those lucky thousand subscribers will win two tickets to a mavs game of their choice uh mavs home game of their choice this season um and if we have to i mean hey we'll roll over into the playoffs and even next season but as soon as we get to that uh, thousand sub mark that's when we'll give out those tickets to one lucky winner so be sure to do that guys Hope you enjoy the Kings game tomorrow. Hope you enjoy NBA All-Star Weekend. We'll be back next week to recap All-Star Weekend with Luka and look forward to the last 27 games of the season as the Mavs continue their playoff push. Y'all have a good one. Feeling like pop. I'm about to shake up the spot. I got the stew on the lock. Yeah. Never really care about your opinions. That is why I can't be stopped. Yeah. Rappers in the booth know they be faking. I'm in the game, so I might get a flavor. Can't be with y'all, man. I swear y'all too basic. Don't shock the world, man. I swear I'm a tail. Feelings on my back. Swear I'm in my bag. Stuck up in my pants. Man, I hate the rap. Man, we love the bread. I don't do no talking. I don't like the chat. Put me to the bag. Got me some boy, man. They smoke like a chimney. Come from a place where they sound like they witness. I'm in the booth and I spit like I'm sickly. Kill me a bitch up do so witness Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.